Welcome to Live Happy Now, the podcast to inspire you to live a happier life and give you the tools to make it happen. This episode is brought to you by Momentus Institute, powered by the Salesmanship Club of Dallas and dedicated to building and repairing social-emotional health for kids since 1920. This is Live Happy Science Editor Paula Phelps, and today on episode 170 of Live Happy Now, we're talking about working out, but it's not the kind of workout you might normally think about. Joe Bates is the author of Making Your Brain Hum, 12 Weeks to a Smarter You. And it seems fitting as we go back to school that we're talking about making our brains work smarter, not harder. Joe looks at how things like exercise and nutrition and sleep are necessary for sharper brains. So if you want to start building a better brain, let's hear what Joe has to say about it. Well, Joe, welcome to Live Happy Now. I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Paula. Can you, first of all, tell us what it is that you mean by brain cardio? Brain cardio started out as a series of mental exercises to try to give the brain a jump start to recover some of the learning that it's had in the past and may have got forgotten over the years with some disuse. And it actually was an outcome of writing a book called Making Your Brain Hum. And that is an example of brain cardio. So what, what does brain cardio consist of? Well, it consists of a series of mental exercises, and uh, I wrote the book with 12 chapters uh, addressing uh, 12 different categories of learning, but the term actually has become much broader than that, and it's really become more of a lifestyle. And so the brain exercises, challenges, the uh, questions, problems that I have in the book are a part of it. But it is really to try to have someone focus on their abilities, improving them, and really improving their quality of life. And it's important, uh, particularly, I'm a senior citizen. I'm almost uh, 77 in a couple of months. And I have just had a renewed interest in uh, things that maybe I pushed aside for a while or didn't think I could do anymore. Uh, and I'm talking about cognitively. I know there's some things I can't do physically <laughs> anymore. But I'm finding that I can do a lot of things that I had forgotten or didn't know I could do. Uh, like, and I'm going to give you an example, uh, playing a, a musical instrument. I played saxophone in high school, and that was over 55 years ago. Well, it's 60 years ago uh, now. And I have to tell you, I took, bought an instrument, <laughs> took some lessons, and I'm now playing alto saxophone for the Tyler Community Band. And we oh, have that's a, terrific. It is terrific and it's fun, and I'm really learning a lot. That's like learning a new language, well, and it really has challenged me. Yeah, and, and what's interesting, because we hear a lot of talk about how you need to do like a puzzle for your memory, or you need it to do just for cognitive reasons, but your brain cardio really takes that much farther, and you talk about how brain cardio can increase things like our, our energy, our emotional well-being, our hope. Can you explain how that works. Absolutely, because when you are thinking clearer and you have you know that you can do some things that you didn't think you could, and it gives a sense of a refocus on purpose in life and what I can do and we can learn that having a dream does not come with an age restriction. And I was a pediatrician for 20 years, and then I did some more training, Became and I'm board certified in pediatrics, and I'm board certified in psychiatry, and I've 
done psychiatry for the last 25 years, and I'm now working with veterans. So I am seeing the entire spectrum from children all the way up. And I still remember, and what a glorious thing it was to see children who are so in love with the world, and the world's in love with them, and to them, they're the center of the, of the uh, universe. And we lose that enthusiasm, and we lose some of those dreams as we grow up with all the practical things and the things that happen to everybody uh, growing up. And it is nice to regain some of those aspirations and realizing that 80 can lead a new 50 in terms of cognitive uh, functioning, and that we can do things even different from what we've done our life. And uh, as a senior citizen, uh, a lot of my friends, I'm, I'm still working, but a lot of my friends have retired. And it doesn't have to be in what they've studied before. In fact, they can take a new field of study. And I'm encouraging people as part of the brain cardio lifestyle to take some uh, online studies or go to a community college or do something, take a course and learn something that is challenging to you and also something you're interested in and something that's fun, something you've wanted to do but haven't had the time to do in the past. Yeah, because the one thing that we do see, people retire and there's a pretty strong statistic of death after retirement, like in the year or so following retirement. But then you see people who use their retired years to, as you say, find new interests, pursue new passions. And And that is what I'm encouraging. That's what brain cardio is about. And how does that open up the rest of, like, how does, say, learning to play golf open up the rest of your world? How does one thing relate to a broader outcome? Well, when you try one of those things and uh, have fun at it or successful or even you don't have to be successful, you can be prepared to fail because uh, if you don't, if you're not great at it, at least you tried it and you learned something from it. So Failure can happen, and that's okay. I wasn't afraid to fail when I picked up an instrument and said, I'm going to join this community band that I've heard and thought was just wonderful. As it worked out, I can do it. And so it gives me that feeling of accomplishment. But when you finally do one thing, it opens up other avenues. And you're not just – a lot of the patients I see are stuck, and they think their condition they're in right now is where it's going to be forever. And there's nothing they can do to get out of that stuck uh, mode. I hope with brain cardio and realizing that they're not stuck or they can become unstuck with some help. And so even something like learning golf, if you're not doing it in the past, it'll be challenging for you. It should be fun. It's getting outside. It is socializing. And the golfers that I see, and I'm not one, that is not my thing, but the golfers I see are having fun at it. They do it. They're outside. Uh, they're socializing, and they are stimulating their brains, not just with the with the golfing, but the, all the things that, that go with it. And socializing, laughing, being with other people, exercising, all of those things that help improve cognitive functioning. And, you know, we do tend to start talking about cognitive function as part of the aging process. And I feel kind of like we miss the boat sometimes because we wait until later in life to start emphasizing this. So what are things that we can do in our day-to-day lives early on, like make a practice out of it as we go through our life that will keep us engaged, keep us 
through the difficult times and keep us hopeful and and our, keep our brains vital and active even before that real aging process really progresses. And that is so important. And I want to quote some of the studies that I have that I have read and, and I use in our presentation. And one of them is called N-E-U-R-O, Neuro. And the N is for nutrition. And diet is very important in brain functioning. E is for exercise. And I'm talking about physical exercise. And we all need either to walk, swim, bike, do something. <laughs> get up and <laughs> get move, people. And watch it. Get up and move around some. The U is for unwind. And I, that is really about if there's something that is so stressful in someone's life, that they are in that stuck mode and feel like they cannot get out of this. They have to have a respite or some way of unloading that uh, stressor where they can either change it or deal with it and not be like they're on a treadmill all the time. That they're, it's like being in the fight or flight syndrome and there's elevated cortisol and for a while that keeps you running. But after a while, being in that mode all the time can do some brain damage and we need to be able to relax and have a respite from that. The R is for restoration and that is really sleep. So many people do not get restful sleep and they cannot possibly function well on a regular basis if they do not get, and I'm going to use two words, restful and restorative. The brain has to restore itself and the body has to restore itself. And the last part of that neuro, the O, is optimize. And that means to do something to keep your brain stimulated. And I'm going to add some words to that, like brain cardio. That's really good because it's an easy way for people to remember that. It might be hard sometimes to get people to pay attention to it because, one, the unwind part can be tough. <laughs> and and then that getting that really restorative Restful sleep is a challenge for a lot of us. And what are some things that people can do to improve that? Because we've talked about that a lot at Live Happy Now. Um, we've written a lot of stories that, that you can see on livehappy.com that really talk about the value of sleep. How do we get it? It is so important. And we need to have a time at night when we get away from things that are stimulating our brains. And I'm really talking about the computers, the video games, even the news, which can be upsetting at times. At uh, times. I'm not saying don't watch the evening <laughs> news. I do it uh, every night pretty much. But after that, do something, whether it's meditation, pray, read something that's soothing and get your mindset for where you're not constantly worried about something or have something on your mind that's going to keep re resurging during the night. And then you need to have some sort of routine whether bathe, get in bed, lights out, no electronic devices, no TV that's going to be on and sound through the night, and, and the room should be dark. And mattress is important. And if you have problems with sleep, with obstruction and sleep apnea, holding your breath, snoring, that's fixable. And that is dramatic sometimes when people uh, get treatment for that, where they can get some restful sleep. We try not to use medications that are really just powerful sleep medicines, although they, they're helpful. They can also be addictive where we're not able to get off of them. Right. Yeah, I'm a big uh, believer in... 
meditation before medication. So <laughs> try and that I, first. And, and I, I believe that too. And if they do go to medication, there is a natural over-the-counter melatonin, which is very safe and is a natural uh, thing, and it does help promote restful sleep. But meditation and prayer uh, before bedtime and trying to clear your mind is helpful. The device is up and the dark room is important. Yeah, and I know that's a challenge for a lot of people. I have a relative who actually sleeps, like a lot of people, with her phone. I think it's actually under her pillow. And so I can shoot a text. She goes to bed many hours before I do, and I can shoot a text off, and she'll answer. And I'm like, what are you doing up? And she's like, well, I heard it go off. And I'm like, you know, you're always telling me how tired you are. (laughs) And I think we've solved the problem of why. (laughs) So how do we get people to give up their devices? How do we get them to? That's a hard one for people. It it is for people. And some people are really getting addicted to it. And they are just going to have to either live it themselves, put it away. I mean, put it and sleeping on it under your pillow just is just the worst thing I think you can do. Even if you're not going to answer it, just the ding of somebody sending you a text, it needs to be away from you. You need to a break. There is a tendency for people to be more distracted. I know sometimes I can be talking to somebody and they receive a text, so they'll take their phone out and start answering that. And you would never do that in a normal conversation. (laughs) You know, you would never, if I'm talking to you and someone else walked up, you wouldn't just start answering their question. You would continue our conversation. So how is all this increased information coming at us and all this distraction affecting our brains? Well, I think it's making, I used the word scattered a while ago, and I think that's what it's doing. It's making us where we're, and some people are addicted to it, and some people just have trouble focusing because they feel like they have to be ready for the next text or phone call or Instagram post. (laughs) All of those. I'm not on Instagram, so I don't get those. I think if we just use common rules of decency, which is at a dinner table or out to, on a social event, we need to just keep it in our pockets and turn it off. We can pick it up later. Well, how do we offset some, some of that scatterbrain effect? How do we? I've, I've read studies about how our attention spans are getting so much shorter. And I think I even noticed that with myself, whereas I used to read, sit down and read books, and I might gravitate more toward magazines now, where, where I want my information faster and in more bite-sized chunks. So how do we offset this scatteredness that's, that's going on with us? I really think you, you have to do kind of a focal training. I, I really think the category training that's in my book is very helpful for that because it is one week of doing just this, just this subject and just this topic. And they're anywhere from 20 to 40 exercises for someone to do. So if you can focus on that and follow through, and it doesn't have to be my book, it can be focusing on anything. But pick whatever it is, uh, a novel, uh, a, a set of that you want to refresh yourself with uh, basic geometry, whatever it is, and focus on that and, and set a time frame and do it. Nothing but that in terms of exercising your brain and cognitive improvement for a week or longer uh, if you want to. The term, one of the terms of my book is humming, and I'll tell you where that comes from. There were some studies done on animals at MIT, and they actually showed that if you gave animals, uh, these were monkeys, information or a task to perform, and you changed it from day to day to to day, so there's no consistency, they couldn't do any of them. It did not sink in. 
But if you focused on one task until it was burned, they did electrodes, it ran EEGs, the encephalogram. It showed actually that there was a synchrony of the brain waves in the prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of our brain, and the hippocampus, which is the medial part of the temporal brain, and it's where short-term memory, it, it's a center for short-term uh, memory. But there was a humming, they used the term humming, and that's why I used it in my book, because if you study by categories and focus on that, you learn the material. And it's this constant jumping from one thing to another that I think my grandkids are doing, that the other subjects are just kind of pushed to the wayside. They're just not that important anymore. Interesting. So focus and stay with it. There you it go. Come. And the, the pathways, because of a one new term, brain cardio, I'm going to use the second one. And this one is not a neologism. This is a very respected scientific word, and that is neuroplasticity. Ah, yes. We're big the, fans of that here. Absolutely. That's the ability of the brain to repair. And even as a part of repairing, it can also make new cells. And that was, when I was growing up and going through med school, that was unheard of. In fact, we were told in neuroanatomy to enjoy the brain cells you have today because tomorrow you're going to have less. There is a day-by-day dying off, and the brain cannot make new cells. Thank goodness that information <laughs> has been proven to be wrong. They got it confused with hair, right? That's like... <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. You have so much to teach us, and I'm, I'm glad that you're well, out there sharing it with us. Paula, thank you so much for having me. It was a delight talking to you and sharing. Welcome back to Live Happy Now. This is uh, web editor Chris Libby. And before we leave today, we wanted to bring in a friend of the podcast, dog trainer John Miller. John is the founder of Texas Canine Rehab and specializes in working with dogs that are aggressive or are creating challenging situations at home. John, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Great. I'm glad we're talking to you about this because I think this is a topic that really doesn't get talked about a lot. We're coming up on the end of summer. It's approaching fast. Back to school for families. Back to school is on everybody's mind. Right. It's a lot hectic. Situations are changing. And it's a transition in the household. So what we don't think about is how that affects our four-legged family members. Right. So how can this drastic change affect our dogs when they've had this awesome summer of playing outside and getting lots of, of attention and then all of a sudden they're left home alone with a sad face looking out the window. <laughs> right. So instead of using the word change, I like to use the word routine because mm -hmm. we're changing the routine. But uh, to completely change up the routine, you know, for example, in this case, we're talking about, you know, kids going off to school, maybe parents changing their work routines and just completely changing the, you know, daily activities of their life. That will definitely, you know, is likely to set a dog off balance if things aren't done the right way. So that's why whenever we are about to come up on a big change, let's say school is starting up in this case, that's what we're talking about now. We have to make sure that we keep some sort of constant there, meaning that before the person left and after the person left, there's still some sort of similar pattern that is going on. For example, the biggest recommendation that we would have is walking your dog. So if your dog was being walked every day, and then you're also walking your dog in a good way daily after the school has started, then they're more likely to be okay with the change because they still have that constant 
activity in their life, which is following you, following the humans in the house to eventually get what they want, which is maybe hanging out with you or getting fed or getting a treat or a bone or a toy or playtime. So that's what's most important. So then what are some signs that we can look for in our dog's behavior that might indicate that there is some emotional stress there? Whenever a dog was doing just fine before and all of a sudden starts to have weird behavior, starts to whine a lot or just anything that's out of the ordinary, it's probably because there was some sort of lifestyle change that there was structure there before or at least the dog believed that there was structure and then all of a sudden they felt like things were out of the ordinary and things were not uh, comfortable for them. What are some things that we can do to prepare our dogs for a big change? One thing that I would do is especially if you're about to go through a change. In this case, we're talking about a school coming up and kids going to school, the routine changing a little bit uh, for the parents as well. So the best thing that you can do is get them into a pattern before school starts. If the only thing they know is the kids are home all day and I don't get walked, but the kids are home all day and I get to play with them all day. And then all of a sudden the kids are not home all day Yeah, and I'm just here bored then that's, that's why they act up because they had a certain routine, they had a certain lifestyle, and now that lifestyle is gone. So we have to provide our dog the lifestyle that our dog needs, walk our dog every day, do activities with our dog. And going back to what I was saying, you don't have to walk them every, you don't have to walk them for two miles. You don't yeah. have to walk, you know, you don't have to wear yourself out. You just want to show them the daily exercise of, look, follow me around. There's no one specific way for each dog, but there is one way that we can help each and every dog, regardless of their personalities. And that's just providing them leadership and saying, look, I got everything under control. Mm -hmm. Follow me and then you'll get what you want. And just always providing that structure, regardless of the kids going to school or the do uh, you know, job changing or any of that stuff. Well, this has been great. I guess the lesson is be a leader for your dog because yes. they are part of your pack. Thanks, John, for joining us. This Thank has you. been good, great information and I hope everybody benefits from it. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. If you'd like to learn more about Dr. Joe Bates and his latest book, Making Your Brain Hum, 12 Weeks to a Smarter You, visit us at livehappynow.com. We'll tell you how you can get a 50% discount off his book, as well as his free ebook, Tips for a Brain Healthy Lifestyle, that includes some of his puzzles and brain cardio exercises. As always, we're going to give you a special gift just for listening. If you go to the Live Happy store at livehappy.com, enter the promo code PODCASTDEAL, you'll get 20% off anything and everything in the store. It's a great place for that back-to-school shopping or just stocking up on your mop-top pens. Special thanks today to the Momentus Institute for bringing us this episode of Live Happy Now. Momentus Institute's 7th Annual Changing the Odds Conference will be held September 27th and 28th at Omni Dallas Hotel. Visit MomentusInstitute.org to register and find out more about the panel of education and mental health experts you can enjoy at that conference. That is all we have time for today, so please join us back here next week. And until then, remember to make every day a happy one.